welcome to episode 75 of the Worldwide Chelsea Pod. It's another day, another weekend, and another win for Chelsea. 3-0 win to Aston uh, to Chelsea against Aston Villa. Uh, wasn't the best performance, but a fantastic result. And we have a great panel here. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting debate today. Uh, I feel like we're going to have a few uh, disagreements on certain things, but we'll get into that later on. First of all, I'd like to uh, announce my co-host, Marv. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. Cannot complain when you look this good, you sound this good, and you hit this hard. So, yeah, I'm doing great, my friend. How are you? Yeah, I'm feeling better. Uh, the result uh, met, cheered me up. And even with the F1 today, the result of Max Verstappen getting that penalty, that made me a little bit more happy before coming on. But we, we move, we move. We've got a new week of football, and I can't wait. I can't. I'm back. I'm happy to be back to club football. Let's do it, brother. And my next guest, another regular guest who has been brilliant in the last few pods. And I've had a few personal people come and tell me we want jesters more. So I have brought you jesters once again. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing excellent. Yeah, excellent result. We we moved to Zenit. And uh, how's the host with the most doing? Yeah, as I said, I'm doing, I'm do, I'm doing better. So it, it's nice. The football has brought me back into a better state and it's made me happy again. So we move. That's good to hear. Good to hear. And my final guest is a returning guest. He come on for the Arsenal game, was battling with an Arsenal fan. We were bantering, but now it might turn on the other side because we know the debate that's going to go on. Uh, YouTuber Ryan Seals. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well. Um, thanks for having me on. And yeah, it should be fun. It was fun the last time I came on. And yeah, man, good panel on today as well. So yeah, thank you for letting me on. No worries. I mean, let, let's go into it. Marv, I'll start with you. Obviously, 3-0 wasn't the best performance in the world, but you can't complain with a 3-0 result. What was your general thoughts of the game? Yeah, that's the thing. Um, well, my original thoughts are last season we would have drawn that game, and we did, I think. I think it was 1-1. I think like El Ghazi or someone scored to get it to 1-1, where Christensen fell over and didn't get up. Um, and that's the thing. If you look at like the, the XG of the game, it was like we had like 135 or something. We had less than what Villa had. So theoretically, we should have drawn 1-1 or even potentially had the game stolen from us. But thankfully, due to as we said two seasons ago, I said the biggest problem was not having a good goalkeeper. We got a good goalkeeper. And then the biggest problem was not having a good striker. And it seems to me like we've got that too. And if you look at the overall consensus of the game, that's what helped us win. Because, you know, Lukaku scored first chance. he got. I think he only had two shots or game scored both of them. And some of the saves Mendy made incredible. So those small margins when you've got world-class players, this is what separates a team that wins the league from a team that comes fourth. So, yeah, I'm very happy. I'm delighted. I'm amazed we won 3-0. Yeah, I mean, it, at, at, at time, if you told me we were going to go on and win 3-0, I would have bit your hand off because it didn't seem like that in the first first half at all. Well, the expected goals, I just checked it. So, well, we had 1.35 to Villa's 1.37. So, in theory, and we're looking at a potential 1-1, and they probably should have scored. Um, if not, I mean, Mendy was, was heroic, I think. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely get into Mendy a bit later on because there's a lot of hype going on about him and I think he deserves it. So we'll get onto that a bit later. Um, Ryan, how, how did you think the game went overall? 
Um, I thought it went well, to be honest. I feel like um, I thought we had a good performance. I think it could have been better, but I thought it was it was it was a good one. Obviously, we got the result. Um, and yeah, obviously, I thought we were a bit sloppy at times um, in the midfield, but I think that was just mainly because it was Saul's first game. So I think it took it will take him a bit of time to adjust. So hence why I think in the midfield we we're losing the ball a bit, which um, put Edward Mendy in our defence um, under pressure. But I think overall, um, I think we were decent. Um, and yeah, we got the result, which was uh, all that really mattered. Indeed. I mean, you could have the worst performance going, but if you're getting the result, and especially the result we had, then that is all that matters at the end of the day. And that's all people will remember going into the future. Um, Jester's finishing up with you. How, what was your overall thoughts of the game and particularly that first half? Yeah, I didn't think we played well. Of course, it could have, it could be down to the uh, amount of turnover in the squad we had for the game. Uh, players not not ever played. Well, we had a, a debut and then, of course, that means nobody's played with that player before in a natural game setting. So, I look, this is what champions do. Win and win convincingly when you're not at your best. And we did that. So that's two games in a row where you could say, you know, Liverpool had some adversity, went down to 10 men away. That's supposedly the hardest place to play at in the world. Got the draw. Could have nicked that game, should have nicked that game. Then we come in this week, don't play very well. Resting players because of international break. And we absolutely shut out a, a game Villa team and won three nil. So yeah, you can't you can't ask for more than that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it it was as I said, it's one them it's one them ones. You don't the performance wasn't great, but you take the result and you move on to what is going to be a busy September. So it's always nice, especially I think Chelsea are one of them teams. Whenever we come back from the international break, we're not we're always just a little bit not as sharp as we were before. Um, and we always seemed uh, last season, it was a common thing. We always drop points on the first game back coming from the international break. So I think it's nice that we've managed to get all three points and we can try and move on to this. What, what is going to be a, a bit of a difficult period of games, but I am fully confident that we can get through it relatively unscathed. Um, going into some individual talking points, we'll start with the man up front, big, big King wrong. Uh, I'm going to call him Ruthless Ron today because while he wasn't exactly in the game all the time, when he needed to take the chance that he had in the two opportunities he had, he took them and he took them. Uh, looking back at the goals, they were both brilliant goals um, that he scored. Um, go, start off with Marv. What, obviously, we know you wasn't exactly the biggest fan of him this summer, but is that changed for you now? Uh, uh, good job I always rated him, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I, 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 the, um, the main reason is because I didn't think it really suited the way I play, which was really stupid considering I analysed quite deeply a lot and I missed the fact that, you know, his back-to-goal play is amazing, which gives us the second and third dimension to play because last season we didn't have anything like that. Even though we had big players like Tammy and Giroud, they're not hold-up players, not very good hold-up players. So uh, that's the thing. When you play the ball into him in the final third and he holds it up for those one, two seconds, you've got runners in behind. You've got Mount Pulisic, all of them. 
and then we've automatically got control of the ball in a really dangerous area. And we create so many angles to shoot and to create chances in that little space. Uh, it's going to be very good against low block teams. And so he offers that. I didn't realize that he had the ability to press because, like he said himself in the interview, he's used to playing in counter-attack teams. But actually, there he's been pressing well, he's been working hard, he's been getting back well on defensive ends, corners, and things like that. And his, his clinical finishing has been incredible. His touch has improved, his, his passing is pretty good. Uh, at the moment, it's only a few games in, but I don't think he could have done anything else. It has been incredible. And the reason, main reason I wanted Haaland, obviously, was... I think probably scored the same amount of goals. And I think that Haaland has maybe 13 years at the top. So, you know, that was my clear choice. Um, and if we couldn't get him, I thought the way that we play, if we were going to stick to the same way, we'd buy another kind of Mavericks-style player. But then, you know, with a big centre forward, it opens it up more. And he's been incredible so far. I think the team, if they can keep playing like this, we should be able to win uh, a lot more trophies this season. So, yeah, very, very flawless performance. Definitely. I mean, Jester's obviously he scored the two goals and they were brilliantly taken. What what did you think of Romelu's performance and what did you think of the two goals? Look, that's what we've been asking for, a clinical finisher. He got two chances, scored two goals. Can't get any more clinical than that. Uh, you know, I, I like to call him Big Lou because I can use this phrase. Big Lou put two in you. And that's what he did. He put two in him. And uh, look, he, he, he just adds that calmness where you're like, you know, we're not playing very well. And this is the, just like Marv said, last year, this is a draw or we lose 1-0. Now, that's, that, that's what this game was last year because we didn't have that clinical finishing. Big Rom solves that, man. He, he just comes in and goes, oh, yeah, okay, two chances. That's fine. That'll be two goals for me. See you later. Come back next week. And that's, uh, it's, it's like another day at the office. It's so, you know, it's great right now, but we should expect this weekend we got when he's on the field that when chances fall to him, they're going in the back of the net. And, you know, it's, it's beautiful to see because we haven't seen that in su such a long time. Whereas we have a number nine, the ball gets to him around the box area. Because the second one was on the edge of the box. And, and, you know, if he's putting those in, come on now. It's uh, it's one of those, it's a beautiful thing to see. We don't have to worry about that in the pitch anymore. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as Sky Sports kindly decided to remind us, obviously last season our top goal scorer was Jorginho on seven goals. And within two games, well, three games, Romelu Lukaku's managed to half do half of that already. So I, I guarantee he's going he, it's going to be him between him and Ronaldo at the top of the uh, scoring table. But I, I think Lukaku is going to beat him. Um, I think Lukaku's all round is just better at the moment, and I think he's he's got a point to prove, which I think is nice. There's a lot of players that have got in the Chelsea team that have got good backstories, or they've got a point to prove, and I think that's. That's the kind of motivation that gives you that extra 10%. That's what I love about this current team at the moment. Um, Ryan, how, how did you think of, what do you think of Romelu's performance? Um, I thought it was a, as you said, a ruthless performance. Um, he didn't get many chances, but the two he did, or he only really got one um, proper chance. And then the second one was more just a great shot. But the one he did, I think he took it really, really well. 
And I think, oh, I think, what's it called? Romelu Lukaku, you know what I mean? For that first goal, I thought he done um, really, really well. He showed composure and also I thought he was holding the ball up um, quite well as well. It was a, it was a good outlet and he's showing us what, um, what we, what we're going for. Like, even if he's not as involved in the game, I think when he gets the chances, like, very very clinical and he's gonna bag you goals like he only really got two proper chances and he scored them both so that's what you want from him even if he's not going to give you or even if he's not going to be involved in the game as much when he got the chances i think he took them um really well and then yeah um so overall very good performance for him and two more goals as well i think the second goal as well was just straight power like that you can tell that he's a proper finisher with um with, with that one so yeah, I think very ruthless performance from him. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I really liked the first goal in terms of obviously you had the running behind, which was nice, but it was that nice little cut in that he did. And I haven't seen that too much from Romelu at the moment, um, even for Belgium. But I just loved how he managed to do that, take the confidence to do that and then slot it in as well did as he did. Composure. He said about that. He said that um, uh, he said that uh, in one of the interviews that he's used to playing uh, with Town Zebi, you know, that terrible, terrible United prospect. He um, he said, that, and he knows that he's left-footed. So that's why he did that. So he brought it onto his right foot to score. I, I mean, if we're, we're looking at that kind of level of analysis, I'm, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, he's, we, we can tell he's a smart footballer at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was fantastic for me. I think the only thing Romelu needs to improve on is knee slides. I mean... That knee slide was very average at best, so maybe he needs to improve on that uh, going into his. If he's going to score, I mean, if he's going to score lots of goals, he's got plenty of practice to do it. But we'll move on. He did tweet from... on that. He did tweet on that. He said no more knee slides. Ah, oh, what a shame. I mean, yeah. he can he can do the whole bow and arrow. I, I love that celebration. That's one of my favourite ones from him. But and I mean, he can if if father wants. So to get... if you. Go on. Sorry to interrupt. So, sorry to interrupt you. Did you see uh, so massaging his knees when he hit the floor? Yeah. Uh, I mean, considering he, considering he had a minor fighting fight issue, I just looked at that and thought, no, don't 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 hurt that fight anymore. I mean, if he's if he's if he's able to knee slide, then I'm sure his fight is fine. But yeah, I mean. <laughs> Both his celebrate, but his other celebration at the corner flag, he can just do that. He doesn't need to do knee slides. That's okay. I mean, we know of Hazard. Hazard couldn't really knee slide as well either. So I think it's just a Belgian thing. So we'll have to move. Um, we'll move into completely the other end of the pitch. Edouard Mendy, masterclass Mendy. Obviously, we talk about this game being 3 0, and obviously Lukaku scored the goals in the end, which is great. But one thing we, one thing that we we could have gone the other way was, as Marv said, Aston Villa had a number of chances that could and maybe some of them should have gone in. But Edward Mendy in that first half saved us from multiple goals. Um, again, another masterclass. I think it's 22 clean sheets in 35 games under Thomas Tuchel. Um, Jesters, I'll start with you. What do you think of uh, Edward Mendy? And the question I'll pose to you at the moment that people have been debating about, is he the best goalkeeper in the Premier League right now? Well, I, I, a couple of things. I, I guess on form, you would say yes. Um, 
when you get in the world class, the best of look, that's that's achieved over time, right? That's you, you have to have a, a body of work to go behind that, and because uh, Edu is so uh, so new to the league, he doesn't have that body of work. I can, but I can also say in the current, if everybody's in their current form, I can't see of anybody much better than him. I really can't. You you know you the the, the, the contenders would be Ederson, Allison, and uh, De Gea. But um, you you always you know Ederson and Allison have been prone to mistakes here and there, uh, especially playing out of the back. Uh, you know, one giving up a goal in the Champions League. Um, so I, I, on form right now, you could say he's tops. But I, I don't want to get into the, to the legacy discussion because he doesn't have an, a, enough body of work. Yeah, and what, what what did you think of his uh, overall game yesterday? Did you enjoy the way he played? He was brilliant. Uh, in ice hockey, that's called standing on your head when you're go- when a goalkeeper is impenetrable. He stood on his head yesterday, so he he uh, he did everything that you'd want a keeper to do. A double save, uh, was commanding in his box, and uh, of course the argument is well he pays with a back three, but. That's not their unit. And when he has confidence in the, in, the, in the players in front of him and the players in front of him have confidence in him, it's very hard to score against the team. And, uh, you know, again, just brilliance on, on it from the defensive end. And they had to be because uh, we put them under a lot of pressure. Yeah, definitely. Um Brian, going into you, what, what did you think of Edward Mendy's overall performance yesterday? And I'll repeat the question to you. Do you think is uh, Mendy the best goalkeeper in the league? Um, as for Mendy's performance um, yesterday, I thought, listen, that was a top, 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 top performance. I think if it wasn't for Mateo Kovacic, I think he would have definitely been my man in the match. And yeah, like some of the saves he was making, I think especially that double save. Um, you know what I mean? The first save was good and then the second save to get back up and it took a deflection as well. Um, and also people will say, ah, his defence is in front of him, he's got a good defence and stuff like this and a good system and everything. But you have to remember, when you're playing at a top club and when you're playing at a big club like Chelsea who are going to dominate possession, then he's not he's not not every five minutes he's going to be facing shots. But when he does, he stays very, very concentrated and then he makes top, top saves and he's he's saved us a lot. And you know what I mean? I think for someone so tall as well, the way he gets down so quickly and to his to his near post and stuff like that, that impresses me a lot because he's he's a very, very big, big guy, but he gets down, he gets um what's it called? He he gets down to the floor um in uh when he's saving shots that are going into the bottom corners like he's six foot one, you know what I mean? So very, very good for us so far. And is he the best goalkeeper in the league? Um, on form, I think over in, in, um, in form over the past couple of months, I think yes. Um, but overall, I think I'd say he's top three for me. Um, but I wouldn't say he's the he's the best. But that's not to take anything away from him because he's been so so good. He's been a bargain for us. He's been so so good since we bought him. Yeah, I mean Marv, coming to you finally. Oh, actually, is Marv here or is he already gone? 
here. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, I, I, I didn't see you on the screen. Disagree that previous. I, I couldn't disagree more with that previous comment. I mean, it's not. And, and you can look at every single stat. Even his ball playing is pretty decent, and that's not anything that people really considered when we signed him. He is incredible. I mean. Allison's good, Edison's good, and they're the only two that compete with him because I'm not having De Gea. It's fucking shit. So, you know, we've got here not just the best goalkeeper in the league, the best goalkeeper in the world. We conceded four goals in the Champions League last uh, season, and I don't think it's just because we've got good defence. I mean, the defence got carved through like butter yesterday. And out of saves and just everything that he did. I mean, that performance was a 10 out of 10. If you come back to what we have had, um, you know, in the previous season, but I'm, every shot's a goal, essentially. Every long shot's a goal, every kind of... Cl- he, we would, with Kepa in that goal, no offence to him, we at least concede two there. Um, especially the... And for me, I mean, I cannot put him as the third best goalkeeper. No one has outperformed him in this last season. And I've not seen him try... Do Cruyff turn and see like Allison? I make the mistake. I could think of one mistake made to be joined, and that was uh, that long shot game we lost. One, another thing it was, can't remember, it might be Leicester. Since then he's been sublime. He was, he's just absolutely. Oh, sorry, Matt, I don't, don't know why I'm cutting out there, but it's been absolutely incredible. And for me, uh, there is no goalkeeper, not just in the league, but in the world, better than him right now. Yeah, I mean, fair, fair. I mean, on form, I, I would agree with you guys. I think he is currently the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. If not, you could argue in Europe. But um, I think um, I, I, I think Jess has made a good point. I think you have to do it. To say you're the best goalkeeper in the league, I think you do have to do it over a period of three to four years, which in a couple of years, um, it may we may have that decision. We may change our decision, but I'm sure with this pod still going, we'll come back to that question in a few years' time. Uh, Marv, I know you have to go, so I'll let you say goodbye to the, to the panel and the guests. Right. Yeah. Nice to speak to you all, fellas. Uh, see you in a bit. Let's go for the next pod. Take care. All right, Marv, we stay safe out there. Two brother, thank you. So, I mean, we will move on to the next topic. There'll be the final bit of positivity before we go into a bit more of the negatives of the game. Mateo Kovacic. Uh, obviously, this is a player that well, I've been likened to look like Kovacic, so <laughs> I should like him, but I've always had my criticisms on Kovacic, but I think it's the first game that I've looked at and gone, now that's what I want to see. Um, for me, one of the man of match performances, I think Mandy, Mendy gets the, the man of match for me, but Kovacic in that first goal was absolutely sublime. Um, obviously scored the second goal, which I said, guys, get your lottery tickets out. He's getting an assist and a goal one match. Anything could happen. So um, I, I did get my lottery numbers out. I didn't win, but what's one of them things maybe next week will be the unlike more unlikely things will happen but we'll get into it um ryan obviously i know you're quite a big fan of mateo kovacic um what did you think think of his overall performance and do we need to see that more from kovacic now 
Um, absolutely flawless performance from Kovacic. For me, he was my man of the match. And I think he was so, so press resistant against Aston Villa when they did try to press us. And then that assist, man. Oh, my days. First of all, the, um, dribbling out of the press, which is something we expect from Kovacic. But the weight of pass on that ball and the way he bent it into Lukaku's stride, honestly, yeah, the, the weight of pass and everything, what an assist. Um, and he even got a goal as well. He was hungry for that goal. Um, to be fair, I think that was mostly the keeper's fault. I thought he was going to get it, but that was a, it was still a good finish by Kovacic and there was good pressing. It was good hunting down. And this is what we want to see from Kovacic. If he puts more performances like this, I feel like, you know what I mean? He's going to give Tuchel a real selection headache because when he performs like this, I've always said Mateo Kovacic does have a performance like this in his locker. Um, but we just need to see um, more of it because... People say, oh, he doesn't pass forward enough. And that's right. But I feel like when he does, he's got the capability in his locker to to pass forward to, what's it called, um, to break the lines, which he done very, very well. To, uh, to what's it called, also um, his through balls um, and stuff like that. He can do that. He's capable of doing that. It's just we don't see it consistently enough. And if we do, he's going to give Tuchel a real selection headache because... People might be sleeping on Kovacic because obviously Saul's coming in and how good Jorginho and Kovacic have been. Jorginho and Kante, sorry, have been over the past six months. But listen, when Kovacic gets into a stride and Kovacic at his best, he's going to give Tuchel a real headache because that's the type of things he's got in his locker. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it was the, the way he played yesterday was fantastic. And I think if we can see that consistently from Kovacic... I really do think Tuchel is going to be have sleepless nights because he's going to have to decide who he's going to put in the team and who he's not because it's going to be a hard team to pick. Um, Jesters, obviously, I know you're you've in the past been a bit critical. Obviously, I remember you saying that you were one the ones that didn't think he should have got Player of the Year under Lampard's first season. I I do make you right on that point to an extent. Um, but what did you think of Kovacic's overall game? And do you think we need to see this more? But I, it's the first time I've ever seen him do it, do do it in the Chelsea kit. I don't know if he's ever done it for Real Madrid, but this is the first time uh, he's ever done it for Chelsea. So, look, that was my criticism of of Kovacic. Does is beautiful to watch on the ball, but gives you no end product. Well, yesterday he gave us end product. If you continue to do that, you can change my mind. Uh, I, I've said at the beginning of the year, everybody has to up their game uh, a little bit. So um, he did that. It's almost like when he went out to Croatia, the Croatian team sent, sent back a different version, you know, maybe uh, upgraded, uh, uh, you know, got some super soldier serum in them or, or something like that, because that ain't that ain't the guy who left. Right. <laughs> that's not the guy that we we saw last year. Uh, Kovacic from last year, you you saw it once or twice every every once in a while. But uh, yeah, as long as he's putting in performances like that and he's trying to play those through balls and he's he's uh, you know getting a goal here and there, I'm fine with him staying with Chelsea. It's just I don't want to see the other Kovacic come back. I need to see this from now on. You've shown it. You've got it. Now you need to do it going forward in the games. So my expectations are now going to be Kovacic needs to do this. Doesn't mean they're always going to come off, right? 
but at least if he's doing it, I can say, okay, he's progressed. He's gotten better. He's he's gone a different level. Uh, so brilliant performance from him. Uh, still, you know, I, I'm always critical because nobody had a perfect performance out of there. There were some other passes he could have made that could have got him an extra assist or two, or he could have got an extra goal. But for Mateo Kovacic to get a goal and assist in a, in a singular game, I think that's half of what he had last year already. So uh, fair play, big up, Mateo. Continue to do it. Whatever whatever their, your wife or your girlfriend is feeding you at home, keep eating it. Uh, maybe it's one of the father pies, you know, good old father's pies. I don't know what it is. Keep doing it, man. Because as long as you're doing this, we're gonna we're gonna go up an extra gear. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, exactly what exactly what you said. Whatever he's doing, keep it up. Because, I mean, if he, if he does keep playing like this, any talks of what happened in the summer where he could be involved in deals and he could be out next summer, that will all go away because you're showing it on the pitch. Um, I think now he's put this performance in. I think, as you said, Jester's, we've got to. Obviously, not every, he's not going to turn up like that every game, but we've got to see that more. And that's, I always, I think with Kovacic for me, it's, I like the player, but it, I just have the, it's more frustration that I just don't see that little bit more. I just think he just does, he just doesn't do enough. And it's all right when you're a, an Arsenal or a Tottenham or a Liverpool, you're fighting for top four, but not really fighting for too many trophies apart from every now and then. But when you're fighting for a title, when you're fighting for a Champions League final, you need to give a little bit more than what he gives. So hopefully he can do that. And again, as I said, it will give Tuchel a a good a good a good headache to have. Um, we will move into a few of the negatives of the game because obviously there was some negatives in this game. And we'll start with Kovacic's partner today. Obviously, Sal Niguez had his debut. And let's just say it wasn't the best debut ever uh, for a player. I think we can all admit that. Um, he got quite a bit of abuse on Twitter, which I think is typical of teenagers and trolls. But just as what, what did you think of his overall game? Uh, do you th- did you see potential in him, or do you think it, do you think he's do you think he's just struggling with the this pace of the Premier League at the moment? Yeah. I, uh... Again, uh, he probably um, he had to play because, of course, we need the rotation because of the internationals. Okay, so let's not get it twisted. It it was a good decision by Thomas Tuchel to play him because we had a lot of midfielders with dead legs, one out injured. Um, so, with that being said, uh, he had a, a Bakayoko esque performance. Um, let's just say that, uh, I think that ideally you'd want to start him playing with Jorginho straight off, right? Because then he doesn't have to be the on the ball making the decisions. He can play the more free role, like the Kovacic role, the Conte role. Um, that's ideally what you would have liked to see. But of course, again, Jorginho had dead legs and, uh, yeah, I think it's just he has to understand that that the time you got in La Liga is not the time you're going to get in the Premier League. And, uh, of course, he's he's highly talented. I've watched 
many games. I watched. He actually played very well against us when Atletico played us in the Champions League. So uh, I know he's a good player. I know he's talented. It's just about applying himself, getting bedded in with the teammates, and and learning. So uh, he wasn't good. I think I gave him a three out of ten for for his performance because he could have led to. He'd made mistakes that directly led to a couple of chances that should have been put away. A better team puts those away, maybe. Uh, but, yeah, we move on, and I think that uh, the more game time he gets, the better he'll 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 be for us. And uh, yeah, that's that's all that's all I have to say about Saul. Uh, we just need to see better the next time he comes out. Yeah, Ryan, what, what do you what did you think of Sal's debut? Did you think there was potential to see, or did did you think it's a struggle with the Premier League, or are you a bit worried of the signing? Um, I thought it was just um, a bit hard for him to adjust in his first game. He's been playing at Atletico pretty, um, pretty much most of his uh, footballing career, so I don't know. I just felt like it was hard for him to adjust, and obviously Aston Villa pressing us as well. Um, he looked a bit slow and sluggish in the midfield at times. He gave the ball away a couple of times in dangerous areas, which um, which hurt us a bit at times. Um, so yeah, I, I just think it might take him a bit of time to adjust to the Premier to the Premier League. But I think he's gonna have to do it fast um, because obviously he's only a one season loan. But I think there's quality there, and obviously people are always gonna slate him um, if you don't have a good game. People are always gonna slate you, take it over the top. But that's just football at the end of the day. But yeah, I don't think it's something to be worried about. It happens. Look at Thiago Silva's first game against West Brom. Um, you know what I mean? He he had a terrible game that game. Um, and he got subbed off. Um, and then since then, he hasn't really put a foot wrong, apart from when he plays West Brom. So, yeah. Um, overall, though, it, it wasn't a good performance from him. But it's only his first one. So, you have to cut him some slack. Yeah. Do you, do you think it was a bit... Do you think... Chelsea were a bit caught out with the way um, Aston Villa pressed us in that game. So I didn't, I did, I personally didn't expect them to press as harsh and as high as they did. Do you think that caught us out a bit, and particularly Saul? Um, I thought they were going to press us, but obviously not as hard as they did. I, ne- I never thought they were going to just sit back and give us the ball because I don't think Aston Villa are one of those, um, were one of those teams. But yeah, I think next to Mateo Kovacic as well, and it's like Saul's. He can play in a six, but I think he's one of them players that does want a bit of freedom as well. Um, and then playing next to Kovacic, who obviously wants to go up and wants to drive the ball forward. Um, Saul, who kind of wants to do the same thing as well. I'm not sure if that was the best combination. And then, and then pressing them up high as well, as I said, adjusting to the intensity of the league and stuff. For his first game for a team, pressing him um, like that. And, and at, at Atletico Madrid and stuff like that, where... They play very, very defensive there. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it was hard for him uh, to adjust. And especially with the pressing as well, I thought that, what's it called? It, it, it did catch him out a bit because he was getting caught on the ball a lot and giving the ball away. Yeah, I agree. I think, for, for me, I think it was it was a dreadful day of you, unfortunately. I, I mean, as I said, in the extreme, he got three out of ten, one for putting his shirt on the right round way round, two for getting on the pitch at the right time and three for running about a little bit. But unfortunately, he did make a lot of mistakes. I do think 
he is going to become a success at Chelsea, but we've got to give him time. And maybe some of the European games would be a bit better for him because obviously he'll be more used to that and it's a bit more slower and less intense than the Premier League. But we'll have to wait and see. I think we've got to give him a chance. I think people... I think Twitter is different to... I think from what I've heard from a lot of the match-going fans, they're a lot more sympathetic. But, you know, everyone knows what Twitter's like. Sometimes it can be a bit overreaction and unnecessary, but it's the way it goes. Um, The next topic we're going to speak about, obviously I'm going to kind of include these two players together because I think they had similar games. Uh, It'll be Kai Havertz and Ziyech. Obviously, the attack probably wasn't the best. I mean, Romelu Lukaku didn't get many chances, and I think... When then chances happened, they came from chances. They came from the midfield creating more than the front three. Uh, both of them kind of looked invisible. Um, starting with you, Ryan, what did you think of their overall performances, and what what do you think? What could you put down to the reason why they just seemed so invisible? Oh, sorry, is it to me? Yeah, to you. Sorry, Ryan. So sorry, I didn't hear the question. You cut out of it for me, sorry. Uh, so basically, I just said about obviously Ziyech and Havertz were so invisible. Why? Why did you think that was the case in this game? Can you put it down to anything at all? Um, I think Ziyech. I've just accepted that more, most of the time he really plays in moments. I don't think he really gets too involved. He's he's one of them hit and the hope players where it's like. It's high risk, high reward. So the Wolves were playing. I think he had some decent moments, like when he was playing the ball in behind and stuff like that. But most of the time, he was pretty invisible, um, as you said. And I just think that's Ziyech mostly. And then, you know what I mean? So I think that's just mostly Ziyech. I think Havertz as well, coming back from the international break. But even before that, like, I don't know with Havertz, man. Like, against um, Liverpool as well. I know he, um, I know he scored a very, very good goal, but... I don't know, he's looked a bit sluggish um, in the past couple of games. Um, you know what I mean? So I don't know what it is with Havertz. It's a, it's a bit like concerning, looks a bit sluggish, like a bit slow at times, a bit not involved in the game. And yeah, I think that was the same case as today. He didn't really get involved um, too much as, as much as I'd like him to be. So I don't know what happened there. Yeah, Justice, could you, could you point to anything that allowed the front three to be well, not Lukaku, but the two inside forwards to be very invisible in the game. Do you think it's tactically or do you think they just had an off day? Well, I think it, it's not one or two things. It's three or four. Uh, one, I don't like the combination of Ziyech and Havertz on the pitch. I think they'd like to both play a similar role. I think they're too similar of players to be playing together. I like to have one that does one thing. You don't have, neither one of them will stretch the field, really. So you didn't have anybody to stretch the field playing opposite, uh, Luka, you know, to play off Lukaku. They're both better in the buildup. Uh, I don't like Havertz on the left. prefer him either centrally or off the right-hand side. It's where he plays the best. He doesn't play, very, he, I've seen him play on the left, even for Germany. And he's not as comfortable off the left. Uh, and of course, Ziyech left-footed too, and he doesn't really like to play off the left. Uh, so, you know, like I said, you had two two similar players out there. Uh, Havertz looked like he was dragging a little bit. I uh, don't want to give that as an excuse. 
you know, if you say, if you tell the coach you're ready to go, then you got to play. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, of course, Havertz still has uh, some credit in the bank of what he did in the Champions League. Uh, Ziyech has less credit in the bank, so I think for Ziyech, the performance actually will end up being worse because, again, he's one of those players that needed to come in and, and show something. Why do I need to have get more minutes, coach? Well, you didn't answer that question. You actually gave, put more doubt in the coach's mind because in the final third, he was pretty awful. And uh, for the guy that's supposed to have a wand of a left foot, I didn't see it. Uh, he, he missed a lot of passes he could have made. His shots weren't at the level uh, you need to be at if you're going to sh- take those shots from that distance. His crosses really, you know, there's a couple of them to Marcus Alonso that you can say, yeah, it's because uh, he had Alonso over there. But uh, there's some other crosses he made into the box. They were to nobody. Uh, uh, you know, Havers just was not. I can't say much about Havers because he didn't do a whole lot. He had the one run through where he scuffed a shot across goal, uh, but other than that, I can't remember him doing much. So, um, again, I like to see uh, a pairing where two players are going to do uh, different things, not the same thing. So, yeah, for me, not good games from either of them. I think it affects. Ziyech more because he needed more of an impression, if if you understand what I'm saying, and he he really yeah. didn't give that. So uh, that, yeah, I mean I, I I agree with you completely. I think the aspects you said about obviously Ziyech and Havertz playing together, I've always found that to be a strange combination. So I always like to have, as you said, two players that you bring different things to the team and that's why even with Havertz Mount I think it works better because they can Mount can play on the left and Havertz can play off the right but even then with them two I feel they they offer too much of a similar thing and that's why I like a Werner to come in and play that's why I like a Pulisic to come in on that left side and then you have a Ziyech on the right or a Mount on the right or a Havertz on the right and they offer different things so that the when it comes to attacking you can you can play different styles you can either go in behind with um with Werner or Pulisic you can have more of the technicality of have or Ziyech or you can have the energy of Mason Mount and then obviously you've got Romelu Lukaku just being the icing on the top of the cake but I, I do think it's a bit of a weird uh pairing together obviously maybe it was more of the international stuff that calls that but we'll see what Thomas Tuchel does we, I, I trust Thomas Tuchel to do whatever's best because he has shown it uh, throughout the season so we'll have to wait and see how, how that goes um, obviously the last topic of the game we've kind of left this topic to last because I feel like this is going to be the one that we'll have the most debate on obviously I'm going to keep this as a nice open discussion rather than just asking selective questions because I, I feel we do have uh, two sides that will probably be different of opinions and it's it's a it's a player that always on twitter every day there's a new opinion there's a new argument on this player and i don't think i don't think he set himself in the best light uh that's all i'm going to say i'm going to keep rel- relatively neutral in this debate but obviously Kalamazo got his chance at right wing back and he even got his chance 
in the second half at left wing for about 20 minutes. I, I, I'm going to just stay, say that I don't think he had the best of games, but and some people obviously on Sadiq's channel very much disagreed. But Ryan, I'll let you start off. What, what did you think of uh, Callum's game? And Jess is obviously, you guys can talk to it, uh, debate with each other openly, but just obviously don't interrupt each other too much. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, had you asked me this question about a day ago, a day or two ago, before the match started, I think I'd have a, a very different opinion. But he got his chance at right wing back, first of all. Um, I thought he was pretty average there, to be honest. Um, he was okay, nothing really that special. Um, and yeah, all he was really doing was trying to beat his man and put a cross in. And he he done that a couple of times. And yeah, but at right wing back, he didn't really do much. He was uh, very, very quiet there. Every time he got the ball, he was just looking to play it safe to Ziyech or Havertz or back to Shalabar. So he didn't really do much at right wing back. But And then he got his chance. He got his chance that I've been waiting for. Everyone else has been waiting for the chance at left wing. He got 20 minutes, um, which I think is a decent amount of time, to be fair. And I don't think he delivered, in my opinion, man. Uh, honestly, this is coming from somebody who backs Hudson Odoi a lot. But... I have, to, I have to say, I don't think he delivered at, at a left wing at how I liked him to. For like he, he wasn't playing at left wing enough. He should have went wider to isolate defenders instead of kind of playing central. Uh, he was striker, cam, left forward when his his best thing is beating players one-on-one. And he, he didn't do that enough. I don't know. That, that kind of annoyed me um, at times. But yeah, but as for Hudson Odoi though... Um, I still do want to see him get like a, a, a proper chance at um at left wing starting a game. I think um I'm I don't think it should come in the Premier League because obviously there's a lot of options and I'm not saying he should start in the Premier League at left wing. But I think in the Carabao Cup it wouldn't hurt to play him at uh, a left wing and see see what he does. But when he did get his chance, he was a bit disappointing. But I don't know what's really going on with Hudson Odoi. To be fair, um I think I don't know, man. I think. He, 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 uh, I, I don't know if I'm being over exaggerating, but he doesn't look like he's beating players um, the 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 same way that he used to. But I don't know if that's the lack of game time or I don't know uh, that the, the he's just on bad form or something like that or the low moves playing on his head. But I don't know, man. He didn't really impress me that much yesterday. I don't think it was a terrible performance. Don't get me wrong. Like Bakayoko was something performance, but. He definitely wasn't the worst player on the pitch, but I don't think he uh, impressed. But I still do think he deserves a chance against uh, left wing against uh, Aston Villa, though. Yeah, I mean, Jester, what do you think on the situation? What did you think, Callum, in the game? Well, I thought we'd have more of a, uh, an argument here. <laughs> we have more of an agreement than anything else. Look, uh, I understand people say he's not a right wing back. Fair. He's not a right wing back, but that's where he's going to get the majority of his play time if he's playing. Um, so he has two choices, either embrace it and when he gets his chances, ball out or do what he did yesterday and just be totally average. Uh, in which case, you're unless somebody's injured or suspended, a la Reese James, you're not going to see the pitch. Um, he, he still has the problem with tracking his runners, getting back, 
I think that put immense pressure on Chalaba, who dealt with it fairly well, being that he's also a young player, second game in the league. That's Callum's 100th league performance, I believe it, it is. So you would expect a little more from 100 league games, uh, especially since Chalaba was on, what, two? And, and, held, and held up very, very well. Um, so for me, uh, chance given, chance not taken. Uh, he did get the time on the left. But I can tell you what Callum's going to do every time he gets the ball. He's going to do some step overs, look to beat his man, but he's going to the right every time. So for me, he needs to, to sit on a pitch and do not, you know, and, and not be able to use his left, his right for an entire practice or for an entire week, and just play left-footed. Nah, so but you I can do, do think just as though. I do think, yeah, on the right, I think it is harder to use your left foot than on the when you're on the left because when you're on the on the right, it's harder to to kind of bend the ball with your left foot. But when you're on the left and stuff, it, a lot of players, a lot of players like to play on the left because when you when you beat a player, you're through on goal. It's easier because you can just swing your left foot at it, whereas if you're not comfortable with your left foot as much, it is harder to cut inside and then try to bend it in with um, your, your your left foot. So that's why I think on the left, it could help. Well, again, he, he, he needs to develop that then. That's on him as a player to develop that in this game, is to develop to be a two-footed player. And even even dribbling in the middle of the pitch, you, he always is dominated right foot. And you get enough film on somebody, you can say, oh, okay, all I got to worry about is right foot. So you shade him to the right. And that's what defenders should be doing, is make him go to the left. Make him show you that he can beat you. Whether he's playing on the right or left, make him go, make him, make him go to the left uh, and, and see what he's got there. Uh, he's just, because of the lack of game time, uh, and you can put you can blame whoever you want to blame on this. Uh, don't put it down to Kukul. He's there to win this win games, not not give chances to young young players. Uh, he hasn't developed his game. Whether you can put that down to injury, lack of game time, whatever you want to say, he, the, the the end result is he's not as complete of a player as he should be on his hundredth appearance in the league. And so, again, he's going to struggle for game time. When everybody's fit, he's sixth and third, respectively. So, uh, yeah, he, you know, when you come on, when you get those moments, you have to show out. You, and it's not necessarily go, goals and assists, but playing in well within the system, doing what you're asked to do. Uh, Tuchel is is somebody that looks at the minutia. So if you're, if you're playing well at right wing back, you might get more performances there. If you're playing well within the system at, you know, when, when you get the chances on the left, then that doesn't necessarily mean you have to score or assist, but you're, but you're bringing a different thing to, to the game. You're playing within, you're playing with your teammates. And uh, I just didn't see that yesterday. And I need to see that. And look, you can say, well, he's not informed because he didn't get a run of games. That's he's just gonna have to deal with that. He's not gonna be informed because he's not gonna get a run of games. So he has to 
whatever get it through his head that he's going to have to 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 do something when he does get the chance. Yeah. Also, but I still do think he deserves a a chance at left wing against uh, Aston Villa just to end the. Based on the, what? Just because he probably won't play any of the next games leading up to Villa. Timo Werner will probably play on the left. Pulisic probably won't be around um, for them. And then you're left with how many options? You're left with you're left with five options. Um, and they'll probably all play. Ziyech, okay, he probably won't play as much. He plays, but he plays on the right. Werner will definitely play in the next couple of games. And he's definitely going to play a reasonable amount of minutes. I'll be very surprised if he doesn't. Martin Havertz are also going to play as well. So, and then after that, I think you have to remember that we have a big, big game against Man City, which means that we're going to have to rest some of the players that we're going to want to use, aren't we? So, what's it called? If we're going to play Mount and Havertz, then we're going to have to rest them for the City game. If we're going to play Werner um, against Man City, obviously, we're going to have to rest them for the Villa game. So, either way, unless... It, so, obviously, you said it's six option. So, against Aston Villa... I think he should get a a a, a chance against um at, at left wing because what what is that to lose? It's Aston Villa and they're probably going to play their B team anyways. Well, would you would you argue that Pulisic gets that left slot against Aston Villa because if you look at it, I don't think he'll be obviously by then though. Ten days. Well, he said ten days, so that he should be back by that point. I think you. It's it's a game where if Pulisic's trying to get match fitness, I feel you want to get him out of that game. Uh, I don't I don't really want to see Pulisic on the right. I think this is the issue. I think you've got obviously Reese James who will be playing the Man City game, will be playing the Tottenham game. Um, so he'll probably not play in the Carabao Cup, and it's either do you play Asby there or do you play Callum? Which I think if Callum's going to play, I feel like again it's going to be more likely at right wing back. I think, unfortunately, I think I said this on Sadiq's stream last night. You, as a young player, you've got to, you've got to understand that you're not always going to get. Sometimes you're not always going to be able to play in your preferred position straight away into a team, especially a team as big as Chelsea. I mean, you, I can rack off a few players. Obviously, young players from this sit from the last few seasons that have come in. You've had Kyle Saka, who's had to start a left wing back for Arsenal when he's a midfield the left midfielder at heart you had phil foden who has always been a number 10 in in his youth days and he's had to play left wing right wing even center mid at time just to get into the team you've had greenwood who is naturally a striker always played a striker he's had to come on the wing for united to get into the team harvey elliott he's naturally a winger who's had to come in 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 even as a number eight for for liverpool at times just to get into the team Reese James is a natural right black having to play at wing back. Obviously, that's a bit less, but you can still understand it's a different role, as we've seen between Alonso uh, struggles to transition between the two. Marcus Rashford, naturally a winger, had to come in with injuries, play up front for Manchester United. That's how he got on the team. Even Martinelli, same, similar thing. Naturally, he's always been a striker, but had to play out on the wing for Arsenal. So I feel Callum, as much as he's good and he could play really well at left wing when there's especially in this Chelsea team where there's a lot of competition sometimes you've just got to break in at a different position and that's my worry I feel like maybe maybe it is a discussion obviously the problem is again there's there's not really space on that side but would he be better as a left wing back but the issue is you've got Marcus Alonso and Chilwell so he's not going to get in there so I think 
Callum has to try and do the best with his game to get the best out he can in that right wing back role. Or he needs to go out alone. Obviously, the issue, I think the issue was we didn't get Kunde in the summer and that meant that Tuchel was looking at the right wing back option as a possible problem position should we get any injury suspensions like we did for Reese James um, and with the centre-back situation with the contract. So I think it's a tough one, but surely, Ryan, he's got to try and at least do his best and try and sharp for the right wing-back role because it's not just this Aston Villa game, but I also thought the Villa game, he didn't really show up when he had the chance. And this is after a lot of Callum Hudson-Odoi stands. I'm not saying you are Callum Hudson-Odoi stand, but a lot of his fans saying in the summer they said he's ready. So for me, I expect him to be ready and to be putting in performances on the pitch. Or he, I know he's not playing so much, so I don't expect him to be a 10 out of 10, but at least put in a 7 out of 10 performance. Because I don't even think it was that. I think it was a 5 out of 10, and that's being nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, I, I, again, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things. You, you get your, you, you got a chance. You didn't, you didn't color, cover yourself in glory to, to tell the manager, hey, you got to play me more. And that's what Tuchel was looking for. So I don't like to use the word deserve because there's nothing you deserve in life. It's what you can take, what you earn. He didn't earn or take anything in that match. So I don't want to hear about deserve. you got to earn or take. He didn't either. Yeah, yeah Brian, what do you think? Um, I mean, he has had good games. I remember when Tuchel came in, he was looking like a monster right wing back. But I don't know since since he really got dropped after I don't know, I think of Atletico Madrid or Southampton. I'm not sure, but since then he hasn't really, or maybe after the Crystal Crystal Palace game actually, he hasn't really like really looked the 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 same at right wing back after that. So I'm not too sure what's happening. But you know what I mean? It's it's it's. I think if if Pulisic is is um is recovered and is and can play, then I think that's when it's gonna get a bit sticky because you know what I mean. Pulisic probably would want to play that game and he can't play right wing back or left wing back. So yeah, but I mean, it, it does look like it's maybe a lack of form um because I think he can play at right wing back well because we've seen him do it um under Tuchel. It's just. Like I think maybe to bring back his form, like a game against uh, Aston Villa, in his favoured in his favoured position, and he's not going to get a chance like that uh, in in this season because if our state players stay fit, and then obviously we're going to have a lot of games, but they're going to be important games as well, like Champions League, um, Premier League, uh, Club World Cup. They're all important games, so you know what I mean. So I think this will probably be one of the only chances where we can actually give him a full game at, um, in the front three and see how it goes. But the only thing is is that I, I didn't know if Pulisic was going to be recovered that early. So if he is fit to play, then I doubt Cho will get a chance at, um, at left wing. But I think he I think he should because it's probably the best. That would probably be the best time to try it. Yeah, I think the worry for me with Callum as well is the fact that Obviously, he hasn't. He didn't go on international duty in the summer, and again, in the international break, he didn't. Have to, he didn't go out on loan. Uh, he didn't go out for under twenty one or 
in the senior team. So he's had that time to do some training sessions with Tuchel and try and really improve his game and be ready for this match. And then he's just, the way he's just not taking it, it just frustrates me. It, that, that's the part that worries me because, I mean, if I'm honest, I I was, when he was, when um, Callum was doing it, doing bits for Sorry, I was really on board with Callum. I, I'm not, I've not won these people that's always hated Callum. When he was in his sorry days, I saw the potential in him, and um, it was it was great. But obviously, since the injury, I just haven't seen it since he's come back. And my worry is, I think he's lost it. Um, I think he does need that game time, and I think unfortunately, the brutal part of the game is I don't think he's going to get it at Chelsea in the near time future. So that's why I think I've always said he needs to go out on loan. Now, obviously, he did get his chance in late in the window. But I'd also argue that his own camp has been, over the last year or year, have been quite resistant to a loan anyway. I mean, his agent and his brother have said that he has quoted himself saying he's too good for a loan. I think now maybe this summer it did change. And obviously the Kunde situation has kind of messed it up for Callum a little bit. But my best hope is we get Kunde in January and then hopefully Callum can get a good loan. Is that the best move for him, uh, Jester's or... Ryan. Yeah, loan is always good. Sorry, just got a red card at the end of the game. Sorry. <laughs> I'm watching it. Oy. Sorry with the red card. Uh, yeah, he, alone, he needs the game time. Look, it's it's not slating somebody to say, you need to go get the game time. Wherever you can go, get it. If that means being sold, buyback or no buyback, for the betterment of his career as an individual, for him to succeed as a pro, he has to get the game time now. Not yet next year, not the year after that. He's 20. These are his development years. Yes, he had to delay because of the Achilles, but you can't delay it any further. Go out, get the game time, work with different managers that will bring different things to you. And, and, and build yourself up into a pro. However that's done. And I'm not saying we should sell him. I'm saying however you can get the move, get the move. For, for your career, not for Chelsea, for Callum's career. He needs a move, whether it's loan, whether it's sell, whether it's buyback, whether it's no buyback, whether it's right of first refusal, whatever it is, go do it and prove to your fans and your fanboys what they've all said about you. Because you're not going to do it here. Not right now, not in this team. Because we're still looking at bringing in more attacking talent. There's, you know, <laughs> again, if if he was the future, we wouldn't be be looking for have links for Chiesa and Dybala, and you know, name the person. It would be, oh, we can let somebody go because we have Callum here. It doesn't seem like that's the thing. If an attacker leaves, they want to bring another attacker in. You got to make it make sense, Robbie. Make it make sense. Yeah, right. What do you think to close this off? Um, I think he yeah, definitely needs a move. And I've always said, even before the season started, if this season Callum Hudson-Odoi doesn't get a reasonable amount of, a reasonable amount of game time and he's just not in Tuchel's plan um, in, in his favourite position anyways, then I think we should either loan him or if the right offer comes in, we might have to cash in on him. Because if we've already got Pulisic, 
um, who, if he stays injury-free, will, will play. Havertz, Ziyech, if he stays, Timo Werner, Lukaku, Mason Mount, and Chelsea, will, we know Roman Abramovich, he can have all of these players and he'll still look for another big, big um, winger just to have in the squad. Then you never know, man. Like, if he doesn't get a good amount of game time and he's not in Tuchel's plan, then who's to say, you know what I mean, 60, 70 million comes in, uh, which he's young, English, potential then he used to say we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, sell him. But that's if he doesn't get the game time needed because if not, he's just going to stick around and stick around. And you know what I mean? At Chelsea's stop start, maybe might get an injury. It, it, and then it'll just be excuses and when he gets his chance and stuff. So, yeah, I think he should have definitely went on loan. I think it would have been very, very good for him to go on loan for Dortmund for his development. I think he would have developed perfectly and he would have built a name for himself because ultimately that's what it is. Pudisic has a name for himself. CH has a name for himself. Havertz has a name for himself. Mount has a name for himself. Like Callum Hudson Odoi, he kind of does, but you know, what I mean, it's been stop start. It's not really been consistent. You know what? One season I'm gonna bang it here, and then now I've made a name for myself. Like a Pudisic has, like a CH has, and that's why if he went to Dortmund, like Sancho has, okay, maybe he doesn't have the talent of Sancho. Maybe he's not as good as as Sancho. I don't know, but talent. Sancho had talent. Dortmund developed him. No one can deny that Callum Hudson Odoi um, has talent. I think he could have developed perfectly at Dortmund. So I think, yeah, if he goes unknown in January, I think that'd be very, very good for him and his development. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a situation we've got to watch in the next few weeks and months. But let let let's hope. Obviously, I didn't I didn't expect it to be such a uh agreeance between all, all three of us i i i did i did sneakily look at this pod and thought could get a little bit of a good discussion going rack up the aftv like views but obviously we this this just proves to anyone that was callum Adzodoy haters this proves that ryan he isn't he isn't a callum Adzodoy stan he's just a little bit of a fan of callum Adzodoy. so no, it, pro- it proves that proves we don't bring on deluded people Nah, the thing is with uh, Arsenal Doi, if 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 um me and Jess was on on the pod like a week ago or something, then I think we'd be going at it. But like I'm not a Callum Arsenal Doi standing. I can criticize him when I think he hasn't played well. It's just I just really like him as a player, and like at his best, I just really like the the way he plays, and that's just my preference in it. People have different um preferences, and like no one's above criticism, so I can always criticize him when he doesn't um play play well, but. Ultimately, I just like him um, as a player and the way he plays. That's really it. Fair. Yeah, um, that's that's completely fair. I mean, we'll end that in terms of the Villa review, and we'll move on to obviously the first Champions League game uh, coming back. Obviously, it's a quick turnaround. We have Zenit Saint Petersburg, and it, it's going to be a good game. It's obviously opening up. First time European Championship champions are playing. Um, just to give kind of a key rundown for Zenit before we discuss about it, they've played seven games so far this season, won five, drawn two, scored 16 goals, conceded eight. Um, in terms of their key players, they signed Malcolm from Barcelona, uh, so he'll be one of their key attackers. Uh, Zayed Bala, not, not Dybala, but the Russian guy. He's always been at the club, so he him as a striker could be a threat. And a familiar face, Dejan Lovren, former Liverpool defender, is currently at Zenit. So he may cause some problems or may cause Zenit some problems in the defence. Um, 
Jess, to start with you, how do you think this game is going to go? I can't see anything but but a, a Chelsea victory. Um, I know people, I, I was on a stream before the podcast, and people said, you know, I was saying we need to rotate because it's short period, a short turnaround. I really didn't want to see Lukaku play because of the thigh thing. And again, um, he's going to get plenty of minutes this year. But I can see where people are saying no, play him and and get ahead, and then then yank him off the pitch at halftime, which is it could be fair. But I I I can't see with the quality that this team has and the way we play in defense, um, a non Premier League team or a non top tier league team coming in and doing us in our place. I really can't. So I'm I'm looking for another clean sheet. Uh, we'll just say the standard 3-0 Yeah, Ryan What do you think of the overall game Obviously being at home First game, opening game What do you think of Zenit and Chelsea Is going to be like? Um, I think it's going to be a, a, a good game Obviously starting off the Champions You always want to start off with a win, man And I think we've been nice with this draw as well I think, um, what's it called? It's, it's, it's a good draw and The event is obviously big by name But Obviously now that they've declined a lot, you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, but against Zenit, I'll be honest, I don't really know too much uh about them, but I know I know a lot about uh Charleston. If we play well, then obviously we can we we can definitely beat them. And yeah, we're gonna have to start off well because until you really secure that first spot or that second spot and you're through, then you're always gonna have to play our strongest team. You're gonna always have to play your strongest. So you know what I mean. So yeah, tomorrow. Uh, the stadium will be buzzing as, as as well, and yeah, so just need to put in a a good performance, and yeah, so it'd be interesting, obviously, to see, you know what I mean, because some of the players didn't play against uh, Aston Villa, that will probably and could play against Dennett. You look at Christensen, Aspilicueta, Jorginho, Mason Mount, so it's gonna be interesting to see the 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 lineup of how we're gonna how we're gonna play against Dennett, but yeah, overall. As long as we put in a performance with Thomas Tuchel, I think we can really beat anyone. So it's just one of them games. Yeah, I mean we'll go we'll go into like kind of the what we think the lineup's gonna be right now. Um obviously I assume Pulisic will still be out. I will also presume that Kante won't will be rested um and saved for Manchester City. Um I don't think there's any other injuries, is there, guys? None that I've heard. None that I've heard, no. I think we, we came out way injury-free from the last match. Um, it's, a, it's a matter of who 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 needs a rest and, and who can go again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we'll get we'll get started. I mean, the goalkeeper, do we all assume that Mendy's going to continue in this game or do you think Kappa might get a chance? Ben Tenelli, Ben Tenelli. <laughs> ben Tenelli. Jesus. You know, there, there's something to be said for the fact it could be end up being Kepa. Uh, I would not rule that out. I would still go with Mindy just because why change your goalkeeper? But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility we see Kepa in goal. Definitely. Ryan, what do you think? Do you think it's going to be Kepa? Do you think it's going to be Mendy? Or do we get a Bettinelli shout? Nah, nah, definitely not Bentanelli. Um, I hope it's not Kepper, and I think it should be Mendy, man. Like, the worst thing we can do to his keeper is when he's on form, drop him. 
Um, so yeah, yeah, Mendy had a very, very good performance. So you can't ruin that momentum. And for someone like Kepper as well, like, yeah, we have to play above Mendy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the way the goalkeeping performance he has, I think you've got to keep consistency. I know Zenit ain't the best team in the world, but as Ryan said, I think you need to you need to push and get get the get the group sorted out and then you can play your Kepper at the end. Even we've got Malmo next, so maybe Malmo's the game where you decide to put Kepper in or something. Because that is a that is even a step down towards Zenit. Because Zenit as 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 much as we've talked them down said so they're not as good as before as previously, these teams can put in a shock. I'm always a bit nervous with the Eastern European Russian teams. But I'm sure Mendy will play because Tuchel likes um, Mendy and he's played really well. Um, going into the back three, I'm just going to list what my back three is and then we'll go through you guys and see what you think will play. I mean, for me, I think, obviously, Aspi and Christensen didn't start at the weekend, so I think they'll come in for Silver and Chalabar. But I, I think Rudiger, I think he'll stay at that left left centre-back. I don't think we really have anyone else, so I think I think Rudiger will play. Do you think... Have you guys, the Jesters, have you got any objections to that back three? The only, the only thing I would say is I, you could see, uh, you could see Silva stay, uh, and play, and you could see Christensen on the left for Rudiger if they want to, if they want to give him a break, because uh, Christensen can play on the left. As a matter of fact, I think. Uh, Chalabu could play on the left if he had to, because um, he's very good on the ball. But I, I don't see. I mean, yeah, I don't. I'm not going to force that argument. You know, uh, Rudiger, uh, AC, and and Aspie to me is look top tier. So why argue the point? Yeah, I think with the silver one, I think it's just would you rather silver play against Zenit or would you rather him play against Tottenham? I think. For me, I think the best thing for Silver is keep. I know Tottenham ain't the biggest team in the world, but keeping him for the big games, I think Silver might benefit by just getting a rest in this game because Champions he hasn't League. Played. We know, yeah, we know, we <laughs> we know. Well, yeah, but he did play last week. We know with Silver, it's you can't really play him three or four games in a row. So I think I'd rather keep him for Spurs and then Man City as well, and just give him another rest in this game. Um, Ryan, what do you think of that back three? Would you make any changes to that back three, or would you keep it the same? Um, I was going to say silver, but you brought up a very, very good. Um, we brought up a very good point there about um about Spurs. So, yeah, but what's it called? Um, I think silver played really, really well. But another thing is, can he handle playing two games in four days? Um, I don't know, man, because of his age is thirty-seven now and picks up injuries quite frequently, frequently as well. So. Yeah, I don't think we should risk it in a big game against Spurs as well. You're going to want someone like Silva. But, yeah, I think it's a very good replacement in um, Christensen. He's also been very, very good, especially since Ducal's come in. He's, he's been flawless. Um, and, yeah, really good stays for me. He can definitely handle uh, two games or four days. He's, but he's in the peak of his powers. And Aspilicueta comes back in for me just for the leadership. Perfect. I mean, Ryan, I'll stay on for you for this part. Left wing back. Chilwell or Alonso? Uh, Matt, why did he do this to me, man? You should have gave me right wing back or something. Nah, I'm, I'm, ki- I'm, I'm keeping I'm keep right wing back for Jesters to start off with. 
left wing back, man. Um, it's tough because Alonso didn't have the, the best of of performances, in my opinion. Um, but he's been so so good. But I think I would play Chilwell just because we can rest Alonso for Spurs because we know against Spurs he turns into you get what I mean. He turns into flipping prime Ashley Cole against Spurs. So yeah, I think. We, we should bring back Chilwell for, for, for this one just because Alonso's played quite a lot of games. Um, actually, forget that because obviously the international break, but don't think he had the best of games against uh, um, against who did he even play? Yeah, Villa, Aston Villa. Yeah, sorry, against Aston Villa. Um, so yeah, I would bring back uh, Chilwell win for this one. Fair enough. I mean, Jess, would you agree with that? Obviously, Chilwell hasn't had any minutes this season. Would Zenit be the perfect game to bring him in and get some minutes? Absolutely. 100%. Perfect. I mean, I, I had Chilwell down on my list anyway, so I, I do think he hasn't had any minutes at all. So, I mean, especially when you've got Tottenham and Man City coming up. I know Alonso's played well, but I think everyone does see Chilwell as the... would be the first choice if you look at it just on paper. So giving him some minutes, see how he does, and then we can have a bit of, bit of a better better choice to pick for Tottenham and Man City. Um, Jesters, I'll let you pick, uh, give your pick for the right wing back, Callum out of the way, Reese James. Who would you pick in? Callum, I mean, no, be serious now. Reese James. <laughs> he, I mean, he's back from suspension. Um, get him out there again. Uh if, especially if we're going to have Lukaku up top, somebody who's going to, you know, not not play around with the ball is going to put the ball in first time. I need to see Reese James, the best right back in the, or right fullback, right back, whatever you want to call him in the league, Reese James. Yeah, fair enough. Ryan, do you agree or would you would you put Cam out to the door in? Chodinho, Chodinho. He has to go in that right one. No, joking. Um, I think yeah, it has to be um, Reese James, and yeah, if he can, if Lukaku can utilize his crosses, which he will and can do, then yeah, I think it can be very, very scary for for, for Zenit because yeah, obviously Reese James as well just got the suspension, so coming back as well, I think he's gonna be eager to to impress and eager to play. So yeah, definitely Reese James. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think Reese James. Makes sense. Come back from suspension. Hasn't had the most amount of game time, and I think be again a perfect game for him to get get back into it, ready for the Tottenham game and Man City game. Um, the midfield two, obviously, for me, I'm I'm gonna put my first two. I think Sal. I know he didn't play fantastic against Aston Villa, and I think a lot of people will be just be wanting to say he should play on the bench. But I'm just thinking. With European football, where it is a little bit slower pace, is this a game where not put, instead of putting him next to Kovacic, do we put him next to Jorginho, and do we just give him a bit more of a, a bit more of a chance in a to adapt in just a bit of a better way to the team? Obviously, again, if it if it doesn't work, then you can make the change. But I feel next to Jorginho as well, compared to Kovacic, I feel it might just be a bit easier for Sal, where Jorginho can sit a bit more and Sal can have a bit more freedom. Um, what do you guys think? Because obviously, I, I don't think Kante is going to make it. And then it's either the choice of putting Kovacic next to him. Obviously, he did play a lot of games in national break. So maybe with the rotation, do well for you guys. I'll start with Ryan. What do you think? 
Um, I, I, I hear your point, and it's a good point. Um, but I think I'd go with Jorginho and and Kovacic just because they're tried and tested. We know how good they are to to together on their day. So yeah, and I think after Kovacic's performance, I think he has to keep it going. You can't you can't play with momentum, and then after that master class performance against uh, Aston Villa. We have to keep it going, but I do hear your point with uh, Saul. It's just if if Kovacic didn't play as well as he did, then maybe. Um, but I think just because of how well Kovacic played, I think you have to play him next to Jorginho. Yeah, I mean, just as did you? Would you agree with Ryan, or would you more agree with my 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 parent? Well, again, we we're, t- we're talking about resting players and rotation, and that's what we did on Saturday. Kovacic played every. Uh, he played most of the minutes for Croatia and the international. And he just went 90 on Saturday. So in two days, you're going to, you know, he's got Sunday and he's got Monday. And then you're going to play again on Tuesday. You know, again, I always say this. It's everybody say, yeah, play the informed player until you're playing them too much and they pick up a muscle injury. And then the sentiment turns to, well, why did Tuchel play him that much? Uh, <laughs> So for me, I, I like the idea of Jorginho with Saul next to him. It's going to be a slower game, uh, and Saul will not be the playmaker of the two. He'll be the the one in the Kovacic Conte role, allowed more freedom. And I think that uh, again, you understand. We do understand the, uh, the importance of keeping informed players, but it's also when a, when, when a player has had a bad match. You want to get him out there as fast as possible because you don't want that to get in their head. You know, it's, it's one of those things is when you when you fall off a horse, you want to get right back on. Because if you never get back on, if you wait to get back on, you might never get back on. So let's get him back on the horse. Let's put him out there again uh, with less responsibility on the ball and see what we have. Uh, and uh, again, That'll allow Kovacic a little bit uh, to be a little bit fresher come uh, Spurs because we still don't know if N'Golo Conte is going to be back. I'm assuming he will be, but then you're, you've got an out of out of uh, form N'Golo Conte coming back. Do you really want to throw him get in on Spurs, or do you want to wait for Aston Villa? Uh, of course, he'll get some minutes, but there's there's always that question that needs to be asked as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. I think Jorginho Sal, I think it just might make sense a little bit. I, I, I do understand Ryan's comment on Jorginho Kovacic. I think that could work. But obviously, as you said, Jess, I think he played a lot of international break. Um, and we've got, we got, we got to be mindful of fitness. Um, and we've got a lot of big games coming up. So maybe it's the time just for Sal to get that, again, rotation in. So we've got Jorginho, Kovacic and Kante all fresh for these Man Cities, the Tottenham's, etc. And then the Juventus is will start coming up. Um, so obviously, I think both me and Jester said Jorginho Sal. So unfortunately, Ryan, you've been outvoted for the Kovacic part, but we definitely hear your points. Um, Jester, I'll come to you. Um, what, what, how would you play this front three? Because obviously there's a lot of talk about rotation. I've heard some people saying, do we rest Lukaku? Um, for Tottenham, I've heard other people screaming for Werner to come in, etc. Uh, who who would you play in the front three? Well, uh, we I think Mount's going to be in. Um, that's no doubt there. 
He didn't play a minute, so you'd think he, he's rested, he's ready to go. I want to see Timo start as well, and that just leads to uh, whether you're going to see Mount on the left, Havertz on the right, and Werner up front, or if you're going to see Werner on the left, or Werner paired with Lukaku up top and Mount in a 10 roll behind him, uh, which basically is a 5-3-2, three, three, or what I say is a 5-2-1-2, a um, which I think benefits both Werner and Mount, because Werner plays more forward. Mount's going to be already in, in the position where he's dropping, um, and Lukaku likes to come off the right anyway, if you look at him uh, with inner. He liked to come, if you're going to play him in a pair, he likes to be on that right-hand side. Uh, so I think Mount and Werner are a definite. It's whether you want to put Lukaku out there. Uh, I know it's not a bad thigh injury, but it's still something you want to manage throughout the season. Uh, and if he does start, I don't want him to play but a half. Right? We have enough talent, attacking talent on this team uh, that we should be able to get past Zenit. So let Lukaku come on, get a get a first hat, half hat trick, take him off at half time, and then you can put Havertz in that position. Yeah, Ryan, what what, what would you think of uh, that front three? What what would you pick? Uh, this is hard. I think Mount and Lukaku definitely play for play for me, but. Um, the third option, I think it would be Timo Werner, but the thing is, I, just, I don't see enough create creativity in Mount Werner and Lukaku against Zenit, but I don't know, with Saul, I think that could help, but I don't know, man, I just can't see, I can't let us, I don't want us to play Havertz because, I don't know, I don't really think he's been, uh, he wasn't that good against Crystal Palace and Ziyech wasn't that good either, so... You have to give Timo Werner a chance, but I don't know, man. I don't know if there's enough creativity in that front three, but Ziyech and Havertz haven't really particularly... Uh, they didn't prove themselves against Aston Villa. So, yeah, unwillingly, but I think I'd have to go Mount Werner, Lukaku, just because... Also, I want to see how Werner and Lukaku do together as well. I think that's something that we have to see because we've got big games coming up, Spurs, Man City, etc. So... I think now might be the right time to try it, though. One and the cocky. Yeah, I agree. I think I do. I do think that would be my front three as well. Uh, Lukaku up top, Werner is. I, I, I assume it won't be strictly a three-five-two, or a three-two, a three-four-three. I think it will fluctuate in the game uh, depending on how it goes. Werner will drop up, and Mount will drop down uh, during the game depending on how the game's going. Um, but yeah, I think that would be a front three that I, I'd like to see. Uh, I think we've all been, some of us have been screaming, have been waiting to see Werner and Lukaku together to see how they go. I think with the creativity as well, I think, again, with someone like Lukaku, as he showed in the last two games, he only needs one or two chances to score. So I'd argue sometimes we don't, we don't need the most creativity, but we do need some. I do think we, if you play Sal, you, again, you do see that. I think Reese James, if he's crossing, and potentially Chilwell as well, you may see creativity from the flanks as well. And yeah, I, I think I think it'll be a good game to try this out and see how it goes. Um, and I think Zenit, I think any any team that we should put out should get over the line. So hopefully, we do get over the line. I mean, 
we're coming towards the end and there's one more thing i've got to ask you guys which is your predictions for the game ryan i'll start with you what what score do you think this is gonna be um i can see this being uh i think i'd go for you know i think it'll be a standard win um i think yeah i think we're going to dominate possession and i think we're going to play well in general um and then yeah i think it'll just be a comfortable uh you know win don't think it'll be anything drastic and i think defensively we're going to be solid so yeah i just think standard um convincing to you know win yeah justice what, what would you think i know you've been predicting a few high scoring games recently so is that going to carry on or do you think it's gonna be a little bit less scoring I'm going to go with a 3-0 with the caveat that it could be uh, drop the soap FC. We could violate the men. Uh, like, seriously, if we if we get an early goal, um, they put some rash challenges in, get somebody sent off. We could be looking at a cricket scores, 5-6-7. Um, but I, I think even if they sit back in a, in a double low block, which most likely they will play on the counter, we... With Lukaku as as the focal point there, uh, Timo, you know, just playing the ball up to him and let Timo run in behind and let Lukaku feed him. That's all the creativity you really need. It's it's simple, but sometimes simplicity is the best. And uh, yeah, I I think that three uh, nil with the potential of violation. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I think it it depends on. Because I do think Zenit will sit back to an extent and obviously play and give us most of possession. I think it depends on how early the goal comes. I think if 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 we struggle to score in that first half, I think it could be more of a one nil two nil. I don't see Zenit scoring really. I don't see obviously I have not watched Zenit much at all, so I'm I'm not got much to judge off by. But I just don't see where the goal is going to come from really, unless it's a mistake or a set piece. Um, but I think I think we will score fairly early, um, and I think it, I think it will also be a three 0 victory. I think it'll be comfortable, and it'll be another confidence booster going to the Spurs. Um, and that does end what is another fantastic podcast. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank all of you guys for listening, and I'd also like to thank my panelists. First of all, Ryan, thank you for coming on, and also let the guys know where they can find your YouTube channel. Um, yeah, first of all, I want to say um, thank you, Matt, for um, letting me be on this uh, podcast. It's been a real pleasure. Um, so, yeah, everyone, make sure to follow Worldwide Charles Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, because it's been a very, very um, fun and uh, interesting podcast. And, yeah, uh, if you guys want to find me, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's Ryan, C-R-Z-R-A-Y-Y-A-N-S-I-A-R-S. Um, and then, yeah. Um, Twitter, Instagram, it's all rare and see ours. Um, uh, and yeah, you'll, you'll find my YouTube and everything, everything there. And yeah, but most importantly, make sure to follow Worldwide Chelsea pods and articles and read their articles and get me listen to their podcast, man, because it's been very fun. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Ryan. I mean, we'll put all Ryan's uh, socials, his YouTube in the description. So make sure you go subscribe to that now. It's a very good channel. We start to do watch alongs, which hopefully maybe me and Ryan will have a little uh, combination on that. Uh, yeah, it'll be quite sure. exciting. Um, and Jester's obviously, again, thank you 
for coming on as usual probably what my most available guest which is always lovely when trying to uh book these podcasts up and obviously i think everyone knows where they can find you but thank you for coming on yeah thank you for the uh backhanded compliment of i have no life that's a good way to put it i'm always available (laughs) just kidding i enjoy my my time thank you as always for having me on uh yeah you can find me on uh worldwide shelves uh as uncle jesters you know i have to put people in a spliff uh most other chelsea channels you can find me here and there or at jesters vengeance on uh twitter Yes, guys, make sure you go follow him, up. Follow, follow him on Twitter. It's If you want real opinions, then Jester's is the perfect man to go to. And maybe one day Jester's will make a YouTube channel. And that, that, that would be very great to see. I mean, one day I think maybe a Jester's and Johnny channel would be the ultimate channel. I think they did that movie, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'd love the I'd love the arguments of Billy Gilmore getting in the team, Mason Mount, and then Jester just going, nope, <laughs> no, thank you. I like to have some sense. Well, one, one day, uh, guys, if we can get Jester's to a thousand followers, I'll see if I can try and get that YouTube working for him. We'll see. He's got a green screen now, so he's not got any excuses about technology. So. He's got, he's got, he's got, he's got the equipment. So let, well, let's see if we can do it. But guys, thank you for all coming on. As we said, make sure you subscribe to the Twitter page at WWC Pod Articles. Make sure you subscribe to the Instagram page. Make sure you give this a share on all your platforms. Try and get this page podcast to grow. Um, we've got plenty of episodes coming up, and it'll be fantastic for you guys. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for listening, and. 